0: We're gonna be in the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we're gonna look at some things that are very special to me. When I look at the book of Matthew and I see the genealogy, it is the genealogy of Joseph going back to Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And when you look at the genealogy in the Gospel of Luke, it is Mary, the virgin, which Joseph and Mary both were of Bethlehem, of Judea, of the seed of David. And um, when you look at the genealogy in the book of Luke concerning Jesus Christ, it goes backwards, and it goes back to the time of the Son of Adam. And um, so you find in Matthew, Jesus declared as the son of David, or the son of Abraham, Abraham being a Israel, a Jew, first Jew. And back to Adam in Mary's genealogy, as we see the genealogy of Jesus Christ through both sides. The Bible is so inspired. The book of Mark has no genealogy because the book of Mark is a servant. Jesus came as a servant, a slave. The Gospel of John shows Jesus as God. And there's no genealogy in that. But you stop and think about it. When you come to the Gospel of John, in Matthew it says, of the seed of David and Abraham, Luke of the seed of Adam, and John says, no, 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 no. We need to go way back to Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in that first chapter of St. John, we see that in the beginning was the Word, who is Jesus Christ, The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him. Without him, not anything that was made was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14 says, Then the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And that little bundle of flesh on that first uh, Christmas Eve. And let me just simply say Christmas Day. Let me simply say this. Jesus wasn't born on December the 25th. So how do you know that? Well, it'd be a good guess that he wasn't born on that day simply because shepherds were abiding in the field tending to their sheep. Also, we're told in the Scriptures that Jesus Christ is God tabernacle, tabernacling in the flesh. And so in the seventh chapter of Saint John, the uh, brothers of Jesus said, "Why don't you go down to the tabernacle uh, here in the uh, the Feast of Tabernacles and declare that you're God? Do some miracles." And so, more than likely, Jesus was born sometime around the Feast of Tabernacles, between October and September, September October during that time frame. And it's not that I'm just saying this; it's we know that the Word was made flesh and dwelt, meaning tabernacled among us. And our body is a tabernacle. The Feast of Tabernacles was when they made booths, and they remembered uh, being brought out of Egypt. They made booths, went out of their homes, went into booths and little shacks that they made, and they celebrated the freedom that uh, God brought through Moses and brought them out of Egyptian bondage. And so Jesus... God comes to earth and he tabernacles among us. He comes to earth in a tent, and that tent is called his body. He tabernacled among us. And I believe Jesus probably was born sometime during the Feast of Tabernacles. I can't prove that, and it really don't matter what matters is that he was born. Amen? That's what really matters. And I want us to stop and consider some things that is wonderful in the area of when Jesus Christ came. He didn't choose to come in Caesar's palace. God didn't choose to send his son into the Jerusalem, to the temple. He didn't send him to Caesar Augusta or the Roman emperor. He sent him to Bethlehem. and Bethlehem, a little town, small, very small, Bethlehem, actually four miles from Jerusalem. And God sent his son to a little place called Bethlehem, which means house of bread. And it was also a place where they raised lambs for sacrifice. And God sent his son to Bethlehem because he's going to be the bread of the world, the bread of life. And he's going to be the sacrifice. Behold, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And so I want us to look at some things tonight that will spark our interest tonight in the fact that when Jesus Christ came, he came very humbly. We're talking about God. In a little bundle of flesh, and God was in him reconciling the world unto himself. God being made flesh, coming out of the Virgin Mary, bypassing the seed of man, for the seed of man carries down the Adamic sinful nature, and the bloodline of God and the blood that was in Jesus was pure and holy blood. Just kind of laying down a little foundation that I need you to stop. We're going to get into some things that that maybe you've never heard before. It's, it's wonderful to stop and consider about the, the, the message of Jesus coming and being born. And uh, he was born, and preachers say this, he was born in a manger. No, he was born in a stable, laid in a manger. Poor Mary, if she had to have the baby in a manger. One room, but he was born in a stable. Because there was no place in the inn for them. And she went in to the barn, the stable, where the animals were. And she had her baby among animals. And they laid Jesus Christ. And she had her baby among sheep, lambs. And when she had her baby, she laid Jesus, her baby, in a manger wasn't a manger like wood that we see in christmas plays it was a concrete feeding trough basically that was the manger can you imagine god loving us so much that he chose to come to you and i in that fashion it's amazing how incredible our god is luke chapter 2 verse 8 through 18 let's stand for the reading of god's word Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 18. Let's read it in reverence to the Lord. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, circled them, and they were sore afraid." I don't know the difference between afraid and sore afraid, but I assume that sore afraid is terrified. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, that is in Bethlehem. And this shall be a sign unto you, You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as as the angels were gone away from them in heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come, come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the same which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told by the shepherds. I want to use for a subject tonight, this is your night. You may be seated. This is your night. I know it's your night. I know it's my night because Jesus Christ came to the lowest of lowest. He came to the shepherds. Many of the shepherds were homeless because their home was the fields where the sheep were abiding. The word abiding in the fields means they were living in the fields. And the shepherds were in the hills of Judea, Bethlehem of Judea. Don't let that um, trick you or um, fool you because there's a good chance that some of the hills of Judea were further away than actually the temple itself because the hills of Judea, Bethlehem of Judea, is a large place. The shepherds were watching over their sheep by night. by say night. It's nighttime. And the shepherds are there living in the field, living in the field, Now, you know, I like living in a house. I like like the life I live. But to live in a field isn't really appealing to me. But to live in a field with a bunch of sheep is even less appealing. If there's sheep everywhere, you know what they leave and deposit in the field. It was probably a smelly field. And the shepherds were probably smelly. The shepherds smelled like? Sheep. Hello. I know pastors that won't have anything to do with their congregation. They kind of isolate themselves. They run out the back door. They don't want to spend time with their people. Let me tell you, friends, shepherds ought to smell like sheep. Shepherds ought to identify with the church because a shepherd is just as lowly as anyone else. And the pastor may like to toot his horn, lest it go untooted but he's no better than anybody else. Trust me, I know things about me that you don't know and I'm no better than you. What are they? None of your business. The Bible talks about a holy child, his name is Jesus. When I was born again, my mother Martha Jane Aikens never called me a holy child. She called me by all three names. All three of my and when she shouted all three names I knew that I was in trouble. She knew I wasn't a holy child. But aren't you glad that Mary had a holy child? Virgin Mary had a holy child. Can you imagine what the brothers and sisters of Jesus thought? Every time Mary said, "Why can't you be like your brother?" Jesus. Amen? I didn't have that problem growing up because nobody was any better than me. But anyway, but can you imagine Jesus, Can you imagine Mary and Joseph saying, why can't you be like Jesus? Well, you know, that hasn't stopped. My question to you is why can't you be like Jesus? Why can't I be like Jesus? The shepherds are living in the field. And I want to point out something. They're near Bethlehem Near The Bible says that they were there in the same country as shepherds were abiding in the fields and they're watching their flocks by night. These shepherds are consumed with work. These shepherds are consumed. It's dark, it's night. It's in the fall time, the rainy season. At night it gets cool. And if you're living in a field, at night you're gonna build a fire. And the shepherds would no doubt gather around the campfire. And they would discuss things. They would talk about things, no doubt. But what's really amazing, I did some study on shepherds that are out in the fields, and the sheep don't like it dark. Sheep are afraid of the dark. Are you hearing me? Sheep are afraid of the dark. And so when the shepherds build a big fire, the sheep gather in around the fire because they're afraid of the dark. And the shepherds are there talking, and they're conversing. They're spending time talking about things. And how many know that um, in this life, we tend to talk about things, we tend to discuss things? And... There's no doubt in my mind they, they discussed uh, politics. They dis- the shepherds discussed taxes. Hello. Caesar Augustus ruled that all would go to their homeland where they grew up, where they were born, and pay taxes. And one of the signs of deep oppression on a nation is when it gets taxes so burdensome that people can barely make a living because they have to pay taxes that are out of sight. And no doubt the shepherds were not too thrilled about paying taxes. Hmm. I I feel their pain. Don't you? Now, I don't mind paying taxes if it will benefit, but what I don't like is paying taxes to a bunch of buffoons up in in D.C. that are just loading their pockets and, uh, and feathering their bank accounts. That's what I don't like. But the shepherds, they're around that fire, that campfire. And as they're around that campfire, it's night. They're talking. Some of the things they're talking probably about politics. They're talking about taxes. Caesar Augustus ruled taxes. They're talking about Maybe how they fought wolves back, or a lion or something trying to take the sheep, and they tell their stories, and they talk about the pressure. It's just an ordinary night. They're talking about all kinds of things. Those shepherds are men, and they probably were talking about women. Don't you laugh at me, you women talk about men. That's just the way it goes. And here the shepherds are, they're around taking care of their sheep. The sheep are all gathered around. And all of a sudden, the heavens light up. An angel sparks the heaven with a glorious fire, a light. And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. And the angel said, Don't be afraid. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David Christ, a Savior, Christ the Lord. City of David is Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this is a sign unto you. This sign is the shepherd's sign. This is a sign unto you. Now, the sign for the wise men was the star. But the sign for the shepherd was the baby in a manger. And it shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped, wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill unto all men. Boy, I tell you what, I'd love for the skies to light up and there'd be praises unto God I'd love at this dark moment, Jesus Christ would light up the heavens and say, fear not. I'd love for him to return at any moment, and he will return just as surely as he came as a virgin, through the virgin womb of Mary, just as surely as he came as a little bundle of flesh, God robed up in that flesh, wrapped up in that flesh, just as surely as Jesus came and God was in him, the Father was in him, reconciling the world and himself, just as surely as Jesus raised the dead, Jesus cleansed the leper, as surely as Jesus walked on water, as surely as Jesus healed the sick and cast out demons, as surely as Jesus before miracles, he's coming back as surely as he died on the cross of Calvary. As surely as Jesus Christ went as a lamb, led as a slaughter to the cross of Calvary. He's the lamb that will take away the sin of the world. As surely as Jesus bled and died on that cross for your sin and my sin, as surely as Jesus went through the pain and the suffering of death and the shame of death on that cross, Jesus Christ bowed his head But before he bowed his head, he said, it's finished. And I think he was trying to say this, devil, you're finished. Devil, you're finished. Devil, you're finished. We ought to say to cancer, you're finished. We ought to say to sickness and disease, you're finished because Jesus is the healer. We ought to say to shame and iniquity in our lives, you're finished, that's Condemnation, that sin, wickedness in the world is finished because Jesus Christ took it all upon the cross. Yeah. Took it all upon the cross. He took it all for you and I. And He died on the cross because God so loved the world that He gave His Son Jesus. And dying on that cross, He was put in a tomb. Hello, hello. Jesus was put in a graveyard. He's put in a tomb. But he rose again from the dead. And today we don't serve a dead God, we serve a living God. Today we don't serve a myth, we serve the truth of Almighty God. Today we serve a a, a God who came to the virgin womb of Mary, a God who came in a little bundle of flesh laid in a manger, a God who came and announced to the shepherds, I bring you good tidings of great joy that unto you is born a Savior in the city of David which which will save the people from their sin, Christ the Lord. And all of heaven lit up, and all of heaven shouted, and all of heaven began to praise God, and the angels and the shepherds began to, I think they were, were absolutely amazed. At first, they were terrified, but when the heavens lit up, I believe they stood there. I don't know what they said, but it was something like this. I don't know exactly what they said. It's not recorded because it was. And that's why it wasn't recorded. You can't record this. And every time I read the Bible, I want to go. Amen. Every time I read about the love of God, I want to go. (laughs) What an awesome God. What an awesome Savior we have. And when they were told, you can go down, there's a sign in Bethlehem. I believe that some of those shepherds were around that campfire, around that fire. How many know there's always a real smart one among the group? How many agree there's always a real smart one around the group? There's a smart Alec around the group too, but there's always a smart one around the group. And I can just hear the smart one say, around that fire. You know, we're close to Bethlehem. And in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, it says that the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. And the angel said, he's in the city of David. Mary has brought forth her firstborn son. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's laid in a manger. And I can just hear that real smart one Shepherd, look at the other shepherds said, I told you. And they began to run over the Judean hills to get down to where the stable was, and they bust into the stable, and it's full of sheep, it's full of cattle, it's full of animals, It's full of other things. And I believe the women, if there was women there in that birthplace, I believe they were going, ah, when they looked at the baby Jesus, ah. And I believe the animals made their appearance. I believe the little sheep or the goat would get up in the manger and, ba 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 ba. The No cow or the bull, murk. And the old donkey would say, he, ah. You see, Jesus came to the lowest. Jesus came to the common man as well as the all men. He came to the shepherds. He made that announcement to the shepherds can you imagine that? The heavens didn't open in Jerusalem and say, hey, I bring you good tidings of great joy. That wasn't where the announcement was. And way off in the east in in Iran and Persia area, way out there in the eastern area, there's some wise men looking at a star that's shining, and they've heard the prophecy of, of, uh, uh, of uh, uh, Balak, the prophet, and they've heard the words of the wise man uh, called Daniel in the book of Daniel, and Daniel told the wise men and the counselors all about the Bible about the things of God and way over there in, in, in Medo-Persia there, there's some wise men that are looking and they're seeing this lit up whether it's an angel or whether it's a fire by night that, that hovered over the tabernacle I don't know what it was it wasn't a comet it wasn't a, a, some asteroid it wasn't some scientific thing you could put in a test tube it wasn't something you could put in a telescope. It was the light of God lighting up, leading the wise men to where Jesus was. But the shepherds got there first. They got there while Jesus was still in swaddling clothes. They got there when Jesus was still called a babe. But after the babe got out of the manger, he was no longer called a babe. He was called a child. And when he walked out into the pages of God's Word in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he's called the Son of Man. He's called the the, the Prince of Peace. He's called the the Sovereign God, the Son of God. He's called the, the, the Mighty One, the Miracle Worker. He's called Jesus Christ. And... Then we see a progression. I want to say to everyone in this room, Christmas was the beginning of your miracle. Christmas was the beginning. I don't mean Christmas like you think. We're not talking about sales in a store. We're talking about a time. And and you say, well, I don't believe in Christmas because it's Christ mass. Well, let me tell you, friends, when you got Christ, you've got to have a Christ mass because we're in a mess. Amen. And so Christmas is a wonderful time. There's people that want to debunk the tree. They want to debunk the presents. They want to, you know, criticize everything about Christmas. Not me. Jesus overwhelms everything about Christmas. Jesus overshines everything about Christmas And when that shepherd would say to the other shepherds, uh, you know, that one a little smarter, a little wiser in the scriptures, say, you know, the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And the angel says, yes, he is. And the light, and the heavens light up. And, and the angel and the host of heaven says, go and find the babe wrapped in a, in swaddling clothes laid in a manger. And the shepherds come in, gathered around Animals gathered around sheep and goats and cattle, and they're in that uh, that st- stable, and they're there looking at that baby, and they're they're just they're just uh, amazed that it wasn't so much the little baby laying there; it was all the ruckus in the heavens they saw before they got there. It was the angel that smitten, smitten them with fear, and they were terrified when they came from the. Filled and came to the stable. They came to where the baby was because the angel said in the heavens, that's the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he shall save his people from their sin. That's the babe, the deliverer, the king of Israel. Amen. Amen. Come on, come on, don't just sit there, feel something. The shepherd's sign was a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And Jesus grew up in stature. And We're so excited about the fact that Jesus grew up, and of course the enemy attacked and tried to kill baby Jesus. <laughs> you know, the devil's not really too bright when it comes to that. How are you going to kill God. The only way God's gonna be killed is for God to choose to be killed. In fact, even then in John chapter 10, Jesus Christ said, I can't be killed. I lay my life down willingly. I lay my life down, I can't be killed. I lay my life down willingly and I raise it up again willingly. For I have power to die and I have power to live. Amen? Amen? I want you to know every believer in this room, you got power to die, who wants to go there, but you got power to live. Jesus Christ has given us power to live, amen? I am grateful for the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth and he came to give us forgiveness of our sin and to wash us in his blood and to cleanse us by his might and his power because the truth is, all of us are as desperate as the shepherds abiding in the field. All of us are just like the shepherds abiding in the field. He could have went to Jerusalem. Jesus, could, God, God could have sent his son to Jerusalem to be born there among the priests and the Pharisees. He could have sent his son to be born among Caesar, among the Roman Empire. But God chose to send his son to be born in the smallest town around, Bethlehem, and to be born among shepherds, no education, just common man trying to survive in the dark fields of life, just trying to get by. And the angel shows up and says, Good news, good news, good news. And the shepherds bounced their head up and said, I need some of that good news. And the angel said, today, right now in the city of David, is born a Savior, Christ the Lord. And they began to shout and praise God. They began to worship God. And the Bible says the shepherds came and saw all that the angels had declared, all that heaven declared. Now, some of you need to get a little starch out of your spiritual clothes and shout, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Amen? Sometimes when I'm preaching, I just stop and go, "Whoa!" because I'm seeing someone about to do this. And they go, "Whoa!" and I go. Say, well, I, I want to go to church and be comfortable. Whoa. Amen? Now, I'm a little old-fashioned. Really, I'm a little old-fashioned. You know, I believe that if you're going to go see King Jesus, you ought to live the part. You got to walk the walk. If you're going to go see King Jesus, I think them shepherds kind of scrubbed up the best they could. I believe old Neb said to Zach, how do I look? Old Zach said, you got a little piece of, you know, on your nose right there. And the shepherd says, well, let me get that. That's what mama used to do to me. We got to get all cleaned up. Wash our hands in the sheep trough. Never mind, there's sheep slobbers all over the water. They clean up the best they can, come running to where Jesus is, and they get inside the stable, and there's animals everywhere. And they look at the baby and they say, The sign, the angel said the sign would be a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And the angel said, This is the sign. And they rejoiced and praised God. And they worshiped God. And Jesus came to bring us hope God robed in flesh. He's called a child by the apostles. Now, in Matthew, he's king of kings and lord of lords. In Mark, he's a suffering servant. He's a slave under Roman rule. In Luke, he's the son of man. In John, he's God, robed in flesh. But the apostles take him into Acts, and the apostles bring him back to the message the holy child Jesus. So there must be something very important about Jesus growing up with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Must be something very important about that. And remember the, the Sanhedrin in, in, in Acts chapter uh, 4. The Sanhedrin kept telling him, Don't you preach in that name anymore? What power! What what authority do you have to preach this in in that name? What what give you the right to cause the lame man to leap at the gate called Beautiful? What what's your power? What's the name? And they said it's the name of Jesus. And they said no 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 you can't preach in that name. You got to back up. And they threatened the the apostles and said uh, we'll beat you. And it's the same Sanhedrin that. Took Jesus to the cross. Same said Hedron that that took Jesus and condemned him to die on the cross of Calvary. But I want you to know today, it was God's plan all along. You think you got it together? No, God's got it together. And they said, you better quit. And they threatened them. They threatened the apostles. In Acts chapter 4, don't you mention that name anymore. They threatened the apostles. They said, don't you preach in that name anymore. And they said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And they said, we're going to obey God, and we're not going to uh, disobey God. You choose. You, you rightly judge. Should I obey you or God? It, it, it's better to obey God rather than man. And so they threatened them again. Now, these were not just threatenings. These were powerful threatenings because it would later take the life of James, the first apostle. These people that were threatening the apostles were the same people that took care of John the Baptist and that went on to Jesus being crucified on the cross of Calvary. And so the apostles said, we're not going to be... Threatened, We're not going to be pushed around because we know that in the name of Jesus, the Lame men leap for joy. We're not gonna be criticized because we know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. We are not gonna back up. We're gonna tell people, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is God. And there's no other way to heaven except by that name whereby we must be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so when they got threatened, They were held in a little jail for a while, and they finally were let go. And in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, they get together and they tell the church what they had been threatened with, what they had been facing, and they begin a prayer. They begin to pray about how wonderful God is. In verse 27 of Acts chapter 4, it says, For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both, who has anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. What were they gathered together to do? To put an end to Jesus Christ. But they couldn't do it. Notice what it says in verse 25 of Acts 4. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? And the kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against the holy child, there it is, the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles, I read that a moment ago, have gathered together. What are they going to do? They're going to try to put an end to Jesus Christ. And in verse 28, the apostles are praying, and they said, For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. In other words, God had a hand, God's hand was in the crucifixion. God the Father's hand was in the birth and the life of Jesus Christ. God the Father's hand was in the death and resurrection of the Son of God. The council determined before God had a hand in the plan. There's a hand and a plan and God The the apostles are crying out, God had a plan when that little baby was born and laid in a manger. God had a plan when Jesus Christ grew up as the holy child Jesus. Verse 29, And now, Lord, they're talking to God, And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. God, give us some more boldness. God, give us some more ability. God, give us some more strength. And give us that strength, verse 30, by stretching forth thine hand to heal. And signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. Verse 31, I love this. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. That verse 30 says, stretching forth thine hand to heal. Talking about that holy child Jesus. Jesus stretching forth that hand to heal. Signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. So when you look at Christmas and you look at the birth of Jesus Christ, remember that he was not just a babe laid in a manger. He was God in that bundle of flesh. You remember he grew up as a child in stature and wisdom. And as he grew up, he became a man. And he began to share the will of his father Begin to preach. Begin to stretch out his hand and heal the blind and heal the sick. You know, Jesus many times would just speak a miracle. Are oh, you listening to me? Many times Jesus would just speak a miracle. That's why I believe a miracle can come while you're preaching. Because the miracle's in the Word. It's not in me, the miracle's in the Word. Hello. And so when you preach the word, people many times, but I, 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 it's almost repetition where Jesus always stretched forth his hand. And the apostles saw that. The apostles saw that he stretched forth his hand and he, and he touched the leper and cleansed it. The apostles saw that he stretched forth his hand and touched the eyes of the blind. The apostle saw Jesus stretching his hand. And I want you to know, we don't have a God that's so weak that he cannot reach your need. We have not a God that cannot hear. We have not a God that cannot reach. His arm is not shortened and he cannot save. And we have a God that can reach out in the person of Jesus Christ and he can heal. And that's what the apostles were teaching that stretch forth your hand, holy Jesus, and heal. And heal. Now, I'm not here to try to advocate anything other than the fact that we're all sinners and we're like the shepherd and like the shepherds and we need a savior. And none of us are going to go to heaven until we bow at the, at the laying down of the baby Jesus. None of us are going to go to heaven. And, and listen to me: You think you're saved because you bow at the feet of Jesus as glorious resurrected son? Of no. You've got to bow at the baby Jesus as well. You've got to bow at the child Jesus. You've got to bow at the miracle-working Jesus. You've got to bow at the cross where Jesus bled and died for your sin. You've got to bow at that tomb and realize that God raised his son from the dead. You've got to bow at the resurrected son of God, and you've got to bow to this word because it's true, it's awesome, it's powerful, and it's deliverance. And we need to learn to spend a whole lot of time bowing at the feet of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want to say to everybody in this room, you're going to have to bow. You're going to have to bow to Jesus. Now, you may be really busy in the field. You may be really busy trying to make a living. You may be really busy like the shepherds, really busy doing whatever you need to do. But I want you to know that Jesus bypassed the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin To get to you, he bypassed the big itch, the big, you know, you know what the upper crust is. That's where a few crumbs get together on top. Hello? And he bypassed those. Now, don't misunderstand me. He got Paul, and Paul was quite a catch. But I want you to know that Jesus doesn't leave anyone out in the darkness of the field, trying to make a living, trying to survive. Christmas can be hard on people because they're trying to give things to their family and give to their children. Look, It's wonderful if you can afford to give presents to your children. There's nothing wrong with that. What an awesome time of year. But let's be honest. What's the greatest gift that you can give to your children, Father? When you die, your children know where you are. What's the greatest gift you can give to your children, Mom, Grandmother, The greatest gift you can give to your children and your grandchildren is that your children can look at your lifeless face in a casket and say, I know where they are, that a working relationship with Jesus Christ. The greatest gift that you could ever give to your father, your mother, your children, your family, is that when you leave here, no one will have to say, well, he's playing golf in the big... Green, lawn in the sky. No when has to make up something, they know that you're saved. They know that you're going to heaven. Amen? I'm going to use this illustration because Dale is here and, and Phyllis went to be with the Lord recently. We know where she is. We know where she is. Family, we know where Phyllis is because she gave us the greatest gift that she could ever give. Oh, she gave good gifts. I, she probably fattened up Dale quite often at they cooking. You kids are thrilled to have such a wonderful mother or grandmother. But the greatest gift that she ever gave you was that you can sit there in this church and say, I know where my mom. I know where my wife, I know where my grandma is. She's in heaven. I know. And that's the greatest gift that any father can give his children. That the children, when we're gone, the children can say, I know where Dad is. I know where mom is. I know where my brother is. I know where my sister is. What we're talking about expensive gifts, there's no more expensive gift, no, nothing more expensive than the blood of Jesus and the suffering of Christ and the washing away of our sins and giving us eternal life. There's nothing more valuable than when we leave here, everyone knows where we're headed, amen? When we leave here, everyone knows that we're with Jesus, Amen. Trust me, if we disappeared tonight, <laughs> if we didn't love the Lord. If we disappeared right now while I'm preaching, we went up, not down. Amen? I put on Facebook about the catching away of the church. I put on Facebook. I said, if, if the Lord comes and Judy and I are taken, somebody show up and feed my chickens they are not responsible. Amen? That dog you love so well, leave a note and say, look, if I disappear, make sure the dog is ready. Amen? So I'm taking my dog with me. Well, that's fine if you want to try it, but I wouldn't try it. Even though your dog's probably better than some people you know. Amen? Don, be careful. Careful, 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 Don. We know that all dogs go to heaven. There's a movie about it. We know that all dogs go to heaven. All cats go to hell. Uh, There's a lady that comes here on Sunday morning. If I even mention a cat, she lets me have it back in the foyer. She loves her cat. Well, come on, guys. A cat will run in and just rub up against your leg. You won't pet it, but it'll make you pet it. It'll make your pant leg pet it. And it'll get snobby with you. And if, 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 if you do something that makes that cat mad, you talk about a snobbed up person. You talk a person, dog, a cat. You about someone is a snob. I mean, they're they're They're, they're bad. They give you a cold treatment like a woman will sometimes. <laughs> it is true. Amen? Your dog does it too. Your, your dog's good to, we're, I mean, we're here. We're talking about all dogs go to heaven. Actually, they don't. You say, well, preacher... You're being too lighthearted about it. No, I'm not. I'm t- telling you that you have got to position yourself at the feet of Jesus Christ and you've got to repent of your sins and come to Christ or you can't give your children the gift you need to give them. You can't give your family the gift that you need to give them. It's not money. It's not pres- prestige. It's not material substance. The greatest thing that anyone in this room can give their loved ones is the assurance that you, are saved. Amen? Now, when I got saved, I got saved for me, but I got saved for my family too. And I'm glad I'm saved. And I want to live a life that tells people that I'm ready I'm ready to go. Amen? And so I want to say to everyone in this room, make sure you're ready This is Christmas Eve. This probably isn't the time that Jesus was born, but he was born. And we need to bow at that baby because that baby is not just a ball of flesh. That baby is God robed in flesh. We need to bow at that baby. We need to bow at that child. We need to bow at that sovereign God. We need to bow at the words of Jesus. We need to bow at the cross of Calvary. We need to bow at the tomb, the empty tomb of Jesus Christ. We need to ask God, please give us eternal, everlasting life. Because that is the greatest gift that anyone in this room could ever receive is everlasting life. I'm glad that I'm going to heaven. I'm glad that I have everlasting life. But I'm convinced that after I'm gone, unless the rapture takes place, my family will be even more glad than me. Because grief is such a horrific thing if you don't know where that loved one has gone. My friends... Give the greatest gift that you can ever give to your children, to your family. That gift to your loved one, that when you are gone, they'll know where you are. That's the greatest gift that anyone can give their family, their loved one. Stand with me. Josh's going to come and bring a song. We're glad you came. Hope you enjoyed the message. Hope you enjoyed what has been said and what has been done. And I do want everyone in this room to understand that you can't just flip it through life, just go through life haphazardly. You've got to put Jesus. You've got to turn from your sin. You've got to ask Christ within. You've got to repent of your sins. You've got to come to Christ. You've got to ask him for forgiveness. You've got to bow at his presence and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, rose again from the dead, and one day Jesus Christ is returning to judge the quick and the dead. Jesus is coming soon. And we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Alders open as Josh plays and sings.